Thank you for downloading this podcast by Sheikh Ridwan Ibn Salim. For more podcasts, videos and articles, go to civilizations.org.uk. Today I'm just going to talk a bit about a book I read recently by Dr. Kaleem Sadiqi. For those who saw the review on the... Um, the other book, uh, a very British Muslim activist, by Kale- uh, by uh, which was the life of Riyasuddin Siddiqui. Uh, I mentioned there, you know, from from reading on from that book, it, it led me on to uh, trying to find out a bit more about Dr. Kalim Siddiqui, who was a very important uh, British Muslim um, in the 80s, the 1980s, 1990s, the 2000s. I think he, I think he died uh, somewhere in the early 2000s. He was probably the most prominent uh, British Muslim uh, uh, during that time. He was the leader leader of the um, British Muslim Parliament, or the the, the Muslim Parli- uh, the Muslim Parliament of Britain. And Ghayasuddin uh, Siddiqui was his right hand man. Uh, Dr. Kalim Siddiqui was uh, a very interesting character, so uh, I decided to get. Uh, so I got a hold of one of his uh, last books that he wrote before he died, uh, Stages of Islamic Revolution, and I decided to read that, and I read that and uh, took a couple of days, a few hours. Um, it's nice, sometimes it's nice to read uh, books that uh, authors have written towards the end of their life because um, you know that it's going to be like the culmination of their lifelong learning. Um, you know, they've maybe 40, 50 years of learning and activism has gone into an experience and wisdom has gone into the book. So it's it's very valuable for that reason. You know, often uh, if you're reading books by uh, different scholars or authors, um, it's uh, it can be a good thing to read something that they've written towards the end of their life. Um, so yeah, very interesting book, uh, Stages of Islamic Revolution. Um, all these uh, ideas were going around. This is before September the 11th, 2001, um, where obviously everything changed after September 11 uh, for the Muslims in the West and the Muslims in Britain as well. Uh, before that, everything was very different in many ways. Um, before that time, you could talk openly about uh, Islamic revolutions and global Islamic movements and uh, so on without uh, feeling a little bit paranoid. So, Dr. Kalim Sadiqi was, uh, as I said, uh, for, at the forefront of uh, some of these ideas. Um, he was someone who believed in Um, what you could call Islamic governance Um, and he was someone who believed in what he called Islamic revolution. Now I think it's important to note here that what he meant by Islamic revolution is not necessarily uh, the idea of revolution that comes into your mind you know when when you mention the term revolution Um, you know this sort of like uh, violent uh, rebellion and seizure of power Um, this wasn't actually what he was and that's what the book makes clear that this is not what he had in mind when he talked about Islamic revolution he meant something much more generalized and something much more along the lines of um, 
where you have the Muslim community, uh, where the Muslim community uh, moves towards, you know, there's a there's a shift in ideas, there's a shift in 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 thinking and culture, where the general mass of Muslims come to believe and want a society which is governed by the laws of the Quran. And from there, uh, a situation comes about where a leadership emerges or a leader emerges that is able to realize the wishes of the people, the wishes of the Muslim people for the, the, the desire for Islamic governance. Um, and so according to Dr. Karim Sadiqi's thinking, the, the emergence of the leader uh, or the leadership is, is one of the crucial elements in this process. Uh, so when this happens, when you have the, the Muslim population that wants uh, the laws of Allah, the laws of the Quran, and to be living in a society that is governed by these uh, guidance in the Quran. And then you also have the emergence of this leader or leadership, what he calls a muttaqi leadership, uh, the, the, the Muslim pious leadership emerges, then you can have the, the situation of what is called the Islamic revolution i.e. The, the, the power within the society transitions to a new, uh, a new type of uh, power, a new type of leadership and a new type of governance which is based on the Quran and based on the teachings of Islam. So that's what's meant by Islamic revolution. It's not necessarily uh, the sort of type of uh, images that we may conjure up when we think about the term revolution. Um, it's really interesting, you know. So Dr. Kalim Sadiqi was at the sort of forefront of this thinking and this uh, type of what's called movement. And um, he was doing this from his home in Slough in Britain. Um, Seems a little bit funny when you think about it that way, you know, this, this leader of uh, a global Islamic revolution uh, working from Slough, a nice suburban uh, townhouse, um, and his little group of activists like Ghiyasuddin Siddiqui and others that were helping him, you know, they would whenever they would come around to his house in Slough, uh, his wife would make them nice samosas and uh, Pakistani chai and... Um, they would uh, be doing their um, activism, trying to change the world from the um, from the uh, suburbs of Slough. So um, it's really I find it really interesting. I mean, the first thing that these uh, group of activists and intellectuals came up with. Um, they came up with a Muslim manifesto, uh, which was a Muslim manifesto for Britons in Muslim, uh, Muslims in Britain. Um, they came up with the Muslim Institute, another organization, which was uh, the full name of it, I think, was the Muslim Institute for Education and Research. Um, they uh, 
they started uh, working with other Muslim activists in Canada and uh, took over the publication known as Crescent International, uh, which was a sort of a current affairs slash uh, political analysis um, journal. Dr. Kaleem Siddiqui had a background in journalism. He was uh, working for The Guardian uh, initially, and then he left The Guardian, and so that's why he had uh, sort of experience um, of journalism at the highest level. Um, so the Crescent International was a very important vehicle for uh, publishing their ideas. Um, and during this early period, uh, 1979, you had the Islamic Revolution in Iran. Uh, so this was a very big part of uh, the life of Dr. Kaleem Sadiqi. Um, it had a very big impact on Muslims, uh, polit politically active Muslims around the world. Whether you were Shia or Sunni, it uh, didn't really matter because um, this was something that everyone was very excited and interested in what was happening in Iran with Ayatollah Khomeini coming in and obviously seizing power uh, from the secular government of the Shah, the Western puppet, uh, taking over and establishing Islamic uh, Islamic that this was an important uh, important um, vehicle for uh, the Islamic Revolution to be voiced uh, in the English English language. Uh, so they actually became um, working in collaboration and, and Dr. Kaleem Sadiqi and his colleagues were invited over to Iran many times. They met the, the highest uh, uh, level of people in the government. And you know, they, they mentioned how um, many of the highest people in the uh, Islamic government of Iran, they were very, um, they were very pious, you know, they, they wore very simple clothing, um, they, they were humble people, and uh, they were very impressed by them. So, the reason why I think this, this was, for me was very refreshing and very, uh, very important as well, because we don't see that nowadays, you know, the, the, Shia, the Shia Sunni camps have become very split and very polarized. Um, and uh, there's a lot of influence, uh, knowingly or unknowingly, many of us, uh, Britain and British Muslims and Muslims all around the world, have been very heavily influenced by um, Saudi propaganda. The Saudis for uh, decades now have been spending a lot of money um, in spreading their um, interpretation of Islam. A very narrow, very uh, intolerant interpretation of Islam, which goes back to the teachings of Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, a preacher uh, from the Najd, who um, lived in the end of the 18th coming into the 19th century. Uh, he was without doubt 100% uh, under the, um, uh, under the um, group known as the Khawarij. And uh, he gained a following in Arabia. Uh, the Saudi royal family, they, they became uh, allied to him. So 
for the last decades they have been you know spending a lot of money getting students from all over the muslim world single muslim country and non-muslim country that have got muslim communities they pay for these students to go to uh, saudi and to get uh, educated or you could say brainwashed really in their in their doctrines of this um, khawarij uh, type of teaching and then those people go back to their countries and this has had a massive massive effect but even whether you consider yourself to be within that uh, followers of Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab or you consider yourself to be a Salafi or not a Salafi uh, many many Muslims have become influenced by the propaganda against especially the Shia um, very very hard line uh, rhetoric and uh, um, uh, propaganda that is directed especially against Shia groups you know uh, uh, not not recognizing them as Muslims and so on so this I think you know people who have studied with me know I've been talking about this for several years now the importance of a Sunni Shia um, a Sunni Shia reconciliation the importance of a Shia Sunni um, unity and the importance of uh, Sunnis and Shias to just be tolerant and respect one another in a way you know because the differences between us are not as great as these people these hardline people are that have infiltrated the Sunni community you know these are people they're Khawarij but they've influ infiltrated the Sunni community and they they uh, portray themselves as Sunnis uh, and they are responsible for spreading all of this hatred and uh, very um, hardline uh, teachings against the Shia. Uh, part of this is also obviously geopolitical in nature because of the Iran and uh, Saudi Arabia being major regional powers and there's been a rivalry and geopolitical tension between them for several decades and has been escalating in recent years as you know uh, being uh, fought out in proxy wars around the Middle East um, but this uh, you know I've been uh, I've been um, talking about this for some time now that uh, Sunnis and Shias have lived together for over a thousand years you know and they were very very uh, seldom had a conflict armed conflict or violence between them you know yes we differ in certain uh, beliefs towards the first uh, three khalifas um, but they are political differences that are historical that are not really relevant uh, shouldn't really cause conflict today um, so i think that was very important and very uh, interesting to see how Dr. Kaleem Sadiqi and the people around him and the organizations that he was uh, leading they were very uh, pro-Iranian revolution and in this book Dr. Sadiqi actually goes to the point of saying that in his opinion and in his analysis the Iranian revolution has now transitioned to becoming a true uh, Khilafah meaning not a Shia, not he's no longer a sectarian Shia Khilafah. He actually considered had he become it had transcended the Shia 
constraints and that actually become uh, a khilafah that was recognizable to Shia and Sunni alike. And he doesn't just base this on fantasy, but he brings uh, quotes from the sermons and the teachings of uh, Ayatollah Khomeini indicating this type of uh, transcending of sectarian differences. Um, so I think this is really important, and uh, especially for the, the Muslim community in Britain today, um, to to uh, to start working towards um, trying to rid ourselves of this propaganda and this um, distortion uh, that has taken place of our attitude towards the Shia community, to recognize once again that Shia, the, the majority of Shias, uh, such as the twelve Twelvers, for example, which are the majority, they are still recognized by the Sunni majority to be Muslim. They're still recognized to be Muslims. Uh, the truth is, if you go back to places like Iraq, uh, before all of the, 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 the difficulties and the civil war and everything, there were many, many, a large percentage of marriages between Shia and Sunni. There was a lot of intermarriage between the two communities. If you go to any Muslim country, any major Muslim cities, you'll find Shia quarters, you'll find the Sunnis and the Shia quarters. And they've been lived like that for centuries and centuries, for over a thousand years. You know, Muslims have lived peacefully together. I think there's a lot of um, good insights in the book regarding um, Islam, Islamic governance, those who, uh, those who believe in and are actively striving towards a situation where Muslims are governed by their own uh, uh, guidance and by the teachings of the Quran. So yeah, I would recommend this book. I think this is a very important part of our uh, very recent uh, history of Islam in Britain, which is um, important for us to be aware of, you know, because uh, the, the Muslim parliament uh, of Britain is no longer there now. Um, there's not really uh, many people around who are, um, you could say, uh, within the legacy of the teachings of uh, Dr. Kalim Sadiqi. Uh, but it's uh, very important, I think. Uh, if you look at um, the mainstream Muslim organizations today, like the Muslim Council of Britain and others, they are, uh, you know, they're quite different, especially in this aspect that I've talked about in their attitude towards the Shia, which I think is uh, is vital in today's time and age. Uh, it's up to us as Sunnis to extend the hand of peace towards the Shia community. You know, because we're the majority, we're by far the, the, the much more powerful group. And this is, uh, I think, you know, part of the importance of this book and of the legacy of Dr. Kalim Sadiqi, which is very relevant for our age. And so we need to bring this back to the forefront of the Muslims in Britain today. Jazakumullah khairan wa salam alaikum.
Thank you for downloading this podcast by Sheikh Ridwan Ibn Salim. For more podcasts, videos and articles, go to civilizations.org.uk.